This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as... We are edging closer here to the start of spring practice, uh, which is just about three weeks away. Nebraska will open up here on March 4th um, with their first Saturday uh, here, spring practice. And, um, you know, a couple of things to get to that have kind of come out this week. Let's first start, guys, with with NFL Combine invites. Not really a shocker. I mean, we knew that Nate and Gary, Nathan Gary was going to get a Combine invite. He was in the Senior Bowl. If you're in the Senior Bowl, you're pretty much obviously – a lock to be in the combine. Um, and then Seaton Carter, I think all of us had a pretty good indication that he would be a guy. And then th- there were several guys, though, on the bubble. Josh Banderas, Brandon Riley, Jordan Westerkamp, Terrell Newby. Um, you know, that maybe if they had better years um, productively-wise, they could have got combine invites. They did not get a combine invite. So just two Huskers in the combine. And I think it really kind of puts into reality what this team really was, Robin, when you look at the 2016 season. They had a team with some good players, but they probably lacked some of those elite difference makers that it takes to, to win a championship. And, um, you know, I think that that's what happened in a lot of these games where Nebraska came up short. Yeah, and, you know, I think there could have been more had some things gone differently. Um, I think, you know, in a, maybe with a different quarterback, those, Armstrong's, wide, those yeah. wide receivers probably get a better look, uh, particularly Brandon Riley. But, you know, also injuries. Obviously, Riley was never really fully healthy, uh, didn't seem. And then, you know, obviously Jordan Westerkamp's, uh, you know, two pretty significant injuries. Uh, so I think if they were healthy and maybe had a different situation offensively, they, they were probably going to have a lot better chance to make it. But, uh Still, I mean, it kind of speaks for itself, like you said, and I think maybe the most glaring uh, is just the, the lack of, you know, uh, NFL caliber players they have on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and that's how you win or lose games in the Big Ten, and, um, you know, just the complete void Nebraska had there, um, I think kind of says a lot just about, you know, where this team was as far as stacking up with the rest of the Big Ten. Well, what's the streak right now with... Uh, Multiple players drafted. Yeah, it's it, two. It, it's two? It's, it, Nebraska's had multiple players drafted like 40, what, yeah. 44 years yeah. or, I mean, it's, it's 40, it's a record, um, you know, and then I think it will stay intact this year. I do think they will have two drafted, but it, it's going to, you know, next year guys is the year where it could get dicey when you look at that senior class. I mean, you better hope that Chris Jones and Joshua Kalu um, become draft picks because you look at that senior class next year um, with only 13 scholarship seniors um, Drew Brown's one of them. Um, I mean, there really aren't a lot of, you know, that multi-year draft deal could be in jeopardy next year. Yeah, unless you have an underclassman possibly come out. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, only having two guys in the combine, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some guys that, that uh, you know, test out well at Pro Day and, and maybe get a chance to, to sneak sneak in there in the later rounds. But, um, yeah, that that streak, if, if you're someone that follows those types of things, I, I think you've got to be a little nervous this year and, and, like you mentioned, next year. Yeah, you look at next year's senior class, Adam Taylor, not going to get drafted. DeMornay Pearsonell, it's going to take a huge year for him to be on that radar, and, and he didn't have that kind of year last year. Uh, here's your offensive lineman, Zach Hannon, not getting drafted, Dwayne Johnson, David Neville, A.J. Natter on the D-line. So of those four guys, they're not getting picked. 
Uh, linebackers are Marcus Newby, Chris Weber, most likely not draft picks. Kyron Williams, not fast enough to be a safety in the next level, in my opinion. Bose Joseph, um, he makes a heck of a gift next to Mike Riley at a basketball game, but he's not getting drafted. <laughs> and then, you know, Chris Jones, Joshua Kalu, and Drew Brown. So, yeah, I think Jones and Kalu next year would be, you know, the, the two guys that would have a shot. But it's going to be dicey, and I don't know, Nate, as far as looking at the distribution chart, who would be a guy that could even really declare early? Maybe Nick Gates, but that's kind of, to me, still seems like a long shot at this point. Maybe Tanner Lee. Well, yeah, that's what <laughs> I was just going to say. If you jump on the hype train there, uh, maybe he could be a, a one-and-done type of guy. Um, you know, if he's as good as, as what, uh, what the billing is already, or that's uh, it's kind of growing into that before spring ball even starts. So, uh, But, yeah, it's definitely a dicey situation. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead, and Nate Klaus as we're discussing to some of the storylines here of the week. Um, another interesting thing here from the week, uh, Billy Devaney, in an interview with our friend Michael Severe, uh, more or less tipped his hand that Tavita Thompson, quote-unquote, is earmarked at this point to be the 10th assistant coach on staff. And I thought that was good to get that out there because no one really has just – I think we all assume Tavita's in line, but – to hear somebody in official capacity like Billy Devaney mention that. Uh, but here's the one um, delay. Uh, the group of five schools um, in the five non-Power 5 conferences um, are, are trying to delay the 10th assistant coach hiring till after the season into January of 2018, where this is set to pass and go right into motion in April once it's voted on. And um, it, it's kind of a, a deal of people that have the money and people that don't have the money. The people that have the money want this done immediately. The schools that really have to operate on tighter budgets are trying to delay this. Um, I wrote this in my three, two, one this week. If I'm the group of five, I don't poke the bear on this. I, I, I don't. I don't think this is an argument, you know, worth starting against the Power Five because the Power Five schools already have their guys ready to go. And if you delay this until January, um, that's going to really, I think, mess up a lot of things. Yeah, and you know it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of go about that just because, like you said, uh, there are several schools that already have things ready to go right now and guys that are kind of putting their careers on hold, uh, so to speak. And so, I mean, not only are you messing with schools and the programs, but you're talking about coaches that are in limbo right now that are kind of assuming they're going to get full-time jobs. But if you push this back all the way into the next calendar year, uh, it's going to be, you know, kind of a, I don't know, a kind of a backhanded deal towards you know, a lot of coaches that are looking to get full-time jobs. Nate, there's going to be, what, 125, 128 jobs that go on the market when when this goes through. What what do you anticipate that's going to be like? Uh, I mean, got our buddies at Coaching uh, scoop.com, uh, Scott Roussel and those guys, they're going to be pretty busy when, when this all goes down. It's going to be the wild, wild west because not only are – Every team, you know, is every team going to be adding a, another coach? But then when someone, you know, leaves a particular school's staff, then they're going to have to try and find another coach to, to refill, you know, to fill that guy's spot. So it's going to be the, like the ultimate uh, coaching carousel. Um, and I think there's going to be some some crazy, um, you know, salary figures thrown around uh, to, to kind of create super staffs. And, and I think you're going to see other schools kind of get creative 
aggressive in, in terms of uh, maybe going after you know strictly a, a you know an ace recruiter type of guy. Uh, you're going to get guys uh, that are that are kind of you know gurus in, in terms of maybe uh, you know maybe uh, you know an offensive mind or or a quarterback guru. Like I know Tommy Reese at, at Notre Dame was hired by Brian Kelly as a as a graduate assistant right now with uh, to be the tenth coach to be the tenth coach and um, you know and he's he's kind of known as a as a quarterback guy a, a a coach who could develop quarterbacks but if this gets delayed then all of a sudden he he's a an established coach that is uh is a graduate assistant for almost another year so um it's going to be absolutely uh absolute chaos once once this all happens well we thought nebraska could go on the high end if they wanted to i mean just based on what they've done uh the the recent salary numbers just came out for the staff uh, but if they do indeed go with Davida Thompson, you know John Perella right now is the low man uh, as far as salary two seventy two, two hundred seventy two thousand five hundred dollars is what he'll make this upcoming season. So you would think Nate that Tavita would be in that two hundred to two fifty range, um, and they're going to kind of just go with entry level Nebraska pay for that position. Versus you know you could get a name like say an Angus McClure or someone of that caliber and bring him in for like a 400,000 but obviously they want to reward one of their own it looks like yeah and, and I think I, I kind of feel like that's that's kind of been the deal from the get-go as soon as Mike Riley was hired at Nebraska and he brought Tavita along with him I feel like he kind of said okay if you if you stick it out here you know you're going to get rewarded eventually and, um, and and it would be nice to see that happen because I know the players love Tavita Tavita is a heck of a recruiter especially from his graduate assistant role uh, with not being able to really go out on the road he's done a fantastic job so uh, i think that would be uh you know a good addition to the staff all right well when we come back we've got a full show on tap we're gonna discuss what happened on the road for our in-state tour uh get the latest uh, update in nebraska basketball as they got a much needed victory over penn state we'll take your questions in the mailbag and also the latest from the recruiting trail as nebraska has made more offers and they've set their first junior date for march 4th all that's next here in this week's edition of the husker online show you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics yeah there's no doubt you know you need a you need a shot of um, confidence and a game like this can do that for you uh, and I think these guys understand the hard work that goes into preparation and how to put that into work. And, and we're beginning to work, you know, and, and uh, be more steady, you know. And, you know, we, we have a saying, the toughest team sets the rules. You know, tonight I added, but and the most disciplined team wins the game. You know, we need both. And we hadn't proven that against some other teams. And I thought tonight we were pretty good that way. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was... Nebraska head basketball coach Tim Miles after the Huskers' 82-66 victory over Penn State. And we bring in Robin Washer. Robin, it's been a while um, since there's been a game at all this year, even in the non-conference, where they cleared the bench and the in-state walk-on kids all came in and the starters were on the sidelines having fun. And, I mean, it just was kind of that feel-good game that really Nebraska has needed after – you know what? Three one-point losses in Big Ten play, and mm. and now they're at five and eight, and um, you know five games remaining. Where you know they they've got a realistic chance to win maybe at least three of their final five. 
Yeah, and you know we're talking about going back all the way to you know the first two games of the season that Nebraska actually had a game where the the outcome was decided within the final minutes. And you know you mentioned the three one point losses that they've had since then. I'll throw in the Clemson game. I mean that's four games that this team has lost with a chance to win inside of the final five seconds of play. So, I mean it's been one of those years where seemingly nothing has quite gone. You know, yeah, Nebraska's they did get Maryland way. and Indiana, though, in the final seconds and were able to hold Well, off. that Indiana game looks less and less impressive every day. Uh, but, you know, then the Maryland game, yes, that was a big win. The Purdue was a big uh, game was a big win. But still, uh, the uh, heartbreak has far outweighed the Rut- celebration. And Rutgers is just such a bad one. I mean, yeah. if you get just the Rutgers one back and, you know, between Ohio State and Wisconsin, just one of those whole different feeling right now. No doubt. No doubt. But here they are. Uh, you know, the, that was... That, that game against Penn State was must-win in a lot of different ways, um, You know, not only just for the rest of the season, but if Nebraska loses that game, I really think that everything falls apart. I mean, that was a game that they were favored to win. All the national opponents were picking them to win. I think Ken Palm has a three-point favorite. They were four, four-and-a-half-point favorite uh, by Vegas going in, and they took care of business. So, I mean, that shows that this team hasn't given up yet, and that's basically all you can ask for given the circumstances right now and so you know they they finally have some good vibes going now the question is can they keep it up this has been a team that has lived by the ekg um up and down all season long um but if they're able to you know find a way to sustain some type of prolonged success uh you know i think that you know they'll at least remain in the discussion for potential postseason play but you know it starts and we're set- talking nit at this no point. yeah i mean ncaa tournament is would be i mean they have to win out and basically make a deep run in the big 10 tournament to even have a chance and well if they're four and one and and that's obviously a big if but i i mean they, they would be 15 and 15 yeah and then you you know if you win one game i mean if you're six i think 16 17 wins our friend jack mitchell who's you know, a radio host here in Lincoln has a spreadsheet. I think he said 17 wins is kind of the watermark to get to the NIT. Yeah. And and that's not going to be easy to get to 17 wins no, this late in the year. So, it, I mean, I think 16 is a big prayer at this point. But if they play well, Robin, and let's just say they are 8 and 10, or God forbid they go 9 and 9. I mean, I do think, it, I mean, it's, it's not out of the question. I mean, if you're 9 and 9 in the Big Ten, I mean, you've won some games against good teams. Yeah, I mean, and with the resume they've accumulated already, I mean, if you find a way to go to Ohio State and beat Ohio State, um, you know, we beat Michigan at home, uh, you know, and I don't know, who knows about Michigan State? Nebraska, for some reason, has always had success there. I mean, so, I mean, there's opportunities still left on the table to not only pad your win-loss record, but get some more kind of statement wins that uh, when you're comparing your resume against somebody else for, you know, some sort of postseason bid, uh, you're probably going to get the not just because of you know the, the the success that you've been able to have against top level competition. So uh, again, it's still a very steep uphill climb for Nebraska right now to start Saturday against Ohio State. But we know Nebraska can play with Ohio State. They should have beaten them in Lincoln. And uh, Ohio State's a weird team where they have a lot of talent, but they don't play well together. They're kind of like an NBA D League team where they have a lot of good players but don't have much chemistry of any kind. Uh, so, I mean, that's, I think that's a winnable game. Um, you know, Michigan state in the East Lansing, I don't know about that. I think they beat Illinois at home. 
Minnesota on the road, uh, I think that's a tough one. Um, that's, that I may give that maybe next to Michigan State their least chance of winning. But then that final, you know, home game to, to close out the season against Michigan, I think that's potentially winnable too because, um, you know, before things got away from them late in Ann Arbor, Nebraska was playing with them. And so, um, you know, things are kind of slowly – Well, they're healthy now. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Things are slowly starting to come together. I mean, they're, they have a full complement. I mean, we don't know about Isaiah Roby right now, but uh, for the most part, you know, they have all their weapons at the disposal. And so um, that's something they didn't have during that rough stretch where they lose eight or nine games. and. Uh, uh, you know, I think that obviously, you know, it's not going to be easy. But if if there was a chance, I mean, this is kind of their last hope to make a run here. When I it was interesting after the game in the in the post game studio show, Jess Settles, former Iowa Hawkeye player, um, is in the studio for BTN, and and this got I think some people tweeted it out afterwards and and, and screen grabbed the video. Uh, he basically said, "This is a team right now with all these pieces healthy. You don't want to play Nebraska, and the improvements of Jordy Shamanga and, and and what he's been able to do. Ed Morrow is getting himself back. Watson's obviously, um, you know, getting healthier, and, and and those two guards in general. I mean, are as good as any pair of guards in the league. And uh, the way they played against Penn State, if they play like that in their final five games, this will be a team that's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that we saw the potential in that Penn State game. I mean, they hadn't had." that kind of all-around complete performance all season long. I mean, they, they played well, obviously, in several different stretches, but this was the first time we've seen everybody do it. They had 10 different guys score. They had four guys in double figures. They shot 55% from the field. They had 18 assists. They dominated the glass on both ends, and they got, you know, 45 points in the paint. I mean, basically everything that they needed to do to play well and the, the kind of recipe for success for the entire season – happened in that game so I mean it may be a little bit too little too late but the fact that you know they're fine they're still you know coming together and improving as a team gives you some reason for optimism I mean if not for for this season that this is a young team that is learning how to play together and you look ahead to next season when they add even more parts uh, with the transfer sitting out and you know whatever uh, they're able to bring in along with Nana Kenton in the 2017 class uh, I think you feel good about their chances next year because it's going to look like a completely different team uh, in 2017-18. All right two things I want to get to um, Isaiah Roby how's he um, do you think this is something that's going to keep him out for Saturday if you had a guess I know Miles still hasn't given the final word for this week and then the improvement of Jordy Shimanga. Um, you know, have you did you expect this type of improvement, and and how promising has that made things here down the stretch? First and foremost, with Roby, uh, if you watch the video of that play, it does not look good. Uh, his ankle basically turned inside, of uh, completely sideways when he landed yeah. on a Penn State player's foot, uh, and he obviously hobbled off to the bench and was immediately taken to the locker room. Right now, it sounds like it is a sprained ankle. So I would, Couple games yeah, at least. I would highly doubt he plays against Ohio State. And then you're also talking about being questionable at Michigan State on Thursday. So uh, not, a, I mean, it's kind of just the way things have always gone for Nebraska. You know, as soon as things finally start to go good, they, they have to have something terrible happen along with it. But, uh, you know, I, I think that at bare minimum, that home game against Illinois, I think he should be able to be back for that, depending on the severity. But uh, to your second part, with Jordy, uh, I mean, that's been one of the most you know, pleasant surprises uh, of this whole season. I mean, this was this kid, early in the year, he was rough. There's there's no way to put it. I mean, he would have his flashes and then immediately follow that where, with a play where he just looked absolutely terrible. But since he's joined the starting lineup, and this was kind of one of the blessings in disguise when Ed Morrow went down that kind of forced Jordy up the totem pole, he's responded better than I think anyone could have project, 
predicted. Uh, I mean, he's been not only just a, a defensive presence for him, uh, you know, with his size, but offensively. I mean, he's averaging in double figures right now over the past four games, and go put that along with you know upwards around you know eight rebounds a game or so. Uh, I mean, that's huge uh, for a team that desperately needed uh, a true Big Ten center. Jordy is showing that he's on his way to becoming that, and uh, the key with him uh, is just getting his body, you know, starting to learn to play within his body and getting his strength and conditioning up to where it's at a Big Ten level. And I think this off season coming up to have a full, you know, the off season schedule of strength and conditioning under Tim Wilson. That's going to do wonders for that guy because Nebraska's track record of changing guys from year one to year two is undeniable. You look at Ty Webster and the strides he made a few years ago. You look at Michael Jacobson this past year and just the, the improvements he's made. Um, so, I mean, I think that the Jordy is basically a ball of clay right now physically. And as Nebraska continues to get to mold him um, with their strength training, uh, he's going to become an absolute beast in a couple of years. All right, well, Nebraska will play Ohio State. It's a 5 p.m. Central uh, time game on Saturday um, in Columbus. So um, is that a ESPN U or a uh, BTN? B- BTN. BTN game here, uh, 5 p.m. Saturday at Ohio State. Robin will have complete coverage. When we come back, Nate and I will uh, get back on here and we'll discuss uh, what we saw this week on the Husker Online in state tour. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus now as we uh, just wrapped up week two here of the in-state tour. And um, both Nate and I were around the state. We were in York, uh, Norris, Norfolk. We drove all the way out to O'Neill. And, man, O'Neill, they just got hammered with snow up there. What did Coach... um, Eichelberger, tell us when we were up at uh, O'Neill, like 18 inches, one one other snowstorms? 18 inches about a week and a half ago, and then a few days ago they got slammed with five more inches on top of that. So, uh, yeah, there was snow everywhere. Well, let's first start with this kind of some of our, our, our stops this week. at Norris, uh, Bryce Stye, the tight end, son of former Husker Brendan Stye, uh, picked up his first offer um, from Western Michigan. And uh, no P.J. Fleck there, but obviously a very solid program still. Um, very uh, interesting first offer for a Nebraska kid to get. Yeah, Western Michigan doesn't typically come into Nebraska all that often, so uh, that was an interesting one. But um, was really impressed with with Bryce Stye. Uh, he's about 6'3", 225, 230 pounds now. Is really filled out from his sophomore year. Um, plays both ways, a tight end, D end. Uh, did a little fullback. Uh, is uh, you know a pretty versatile player for. Uh, for Norris there. So, you know, solid first offer. And I think he's going to be a kid that this spring and this summer is going to be real big for him. He's going to he's going to keep uh, racking up a, a few more offers down the road, too, because uh, uh, he's got a great frame. Obviously, the pedigree is there with his with his father, Brendan, uh, having played at Nebraska and played in the league for so long. So, um, you know, exciting times for for Bryce Stye there. Well, and he's a talented kid, not just in football. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's obviously a great student, but he's the lead in a lot of the school players. Plays. He's a big part of show choir there. I mean, this is not just, you know, a, a football guy. I mean, he, he's a kid that whatever he does in life, you know, he's going to be successful. And, and we interview a lot of guys. And, you know, as far as guys on camera, um, he's very, very, um, he carries himself as well as any kid we've yeah. dealt with. 
Yeah, he, I mean, he's he's got a personality. He's got a charisma. Uh, he's you know he's real easy to to talk to. Uh, seems like he'd be a good teammate just because um, you know he, he's one of those people you could sit down and, and talk with with forever. And um, you know, and, and he's so well rounded with everything that he does, which is kind of nice to see sometimes. You know, you, you a lot of times with uh, with what we do, you know, you, you come across kids that do nothing but uh, football and and they're not involved in anything else and. and and uh, I always like seeing multi-sport guys, and then of course guys that that do other things uh, as well, whether it's you know show choir or speech or or whatever. I think the I think it's nice to to see kids in high school that are that are pretty well rounded. And one other guy I just want to mention briefly, Austin Schultz and um, Norris. It's hard to really see where he'll factor in, but he's a Wichita State baseball commit. He mm-hmm. in fact turned down the Huskers. I mean, Darren Erstad in Nebraska had interest in him. I don't know the dealings there. I mean, what type of offer it was, but um, he's a kid that runs a legit four five forty, and, you know, has kind of a Danny Woodhead type build to him um, and still is kind of kicking the tires about football, but he's a division one athlete, whether it's baseball, maybe football he's interested in, but um, kind of interesting to, to know that knowing that he's already commit to Wichita State, he's still kicking the tires about football. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if, if there's any football offers that come his way that could make him kind of um, rethink that commitment to, to Wichita State. He, he's a heck of an athlete, though, and it's interesting to me, um, given Nebraska's success on the, you know, baseball-wise recruiting Norris High School, that, that he decided to, to go to Wichita State. But uh, like you said, I, you know, we don't know, I, I guess, the – the specifics with the offers and everything since baseball's kind of partial offers uh wichita state may have had a better deal for him and then uh, we did check in at york this week uh mastering maypoo nebraska is um, one of their three commits for 2018 the six four six five what 300 pound defensive tackle um you know just kind of a good time good, good opportunity to see mastery um not playing any winter sports right now at this moment um could possibly do track uh, but it will be interesting, Nate, to kind of see how they keep this kid hungry and motivated um, because a lot has been given to him or thrown at him in a very short while. Yeah, I mean, he's a kid who continues to progress. Uh, is still extremely raw, but the 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 God-given talent and, and tools that he has – are just off the charts when you when you look at his size and and uh, you know his strength and, and explosiveness. I mean, he has all the tools to be a really really good football player. He just uh, needs to continue to, to kind of be molded into uh, a guy that uh, plays with better technique and, and better pad level, uh, which will come. You know, when you play at that level and you're you're that much bigger than other kids, um, you know sometimes you can get away with with a few bad habits. But he continues uh, to to progress when you watch it. His, his sophomore film compared to his junior film, uh, you can see the development there. And uh, but uh, but he still has quite a ways to go going forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we're discussing the in-state tour, we checked in at Norfolk Catholic. Our good friend Jeff Beller, uh, the longtime coach with over 300 career victories, has got two 2019 kids, uh, Ethan Piper, uh, an offensive lineman. Um, that's about 6'4", 260, great, great frame for a, a sophomore right now. And then Dylan Couts, um, the state champion in the 100-meter, uh, in the 200 in Class B last year, uh, ran a 10.54 converted electronic time in the 100 as a freshman, Nate. 
as yeah. a freshman. Not a, I mean, he's a sophomore right now. So, but yeah, those are his freshman track times, and and uh, I mean, you you don't see that happen very often. And uh, he's a small guy, but but he's put together pretty well. I mean, he's probably five eight, five nine, uh, but he's probably about one hundred and seventy five, hundred hundred and you know maybe getting close to one hundred and eighty pounds. So he's put together real well. Um, he's like it, a Ty Kildow, but yeah. a little thicker. Yep. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Uh, and and he's running behind a, a talented offensive lineman in Ethan Piper. I, that's a kid I'm really interested to to uh, to continue to see develop because he's he's got great he's got a great frame at six four. He's about 260 pounds. Absolutely no bad weight on the kid. And, and I'm not so sure that he's done growing. I mean, you look at he wears a size 17 or 18 shoe at six four, um, and he, he's a basketball player. Uh, it sounds like he's got terrific feet on the on the basketball court uh, which always seems to translate well on the football field and um, you know he's got a chance I think to to become a, a pretty good prospect here in that 2019 class and then lastly when we were up in Norfolk I, I thought you know it only makes sense we drove out to O'Neill it's about hour and 20 minutes north of Norfolk up 275 and uh, O'Neill one class C1 Brock Eichelberger a guy that I've known for you know probably six seven eight years um, when he was at Ewing before has a very intriguing quarterback, Alex Tramer. His cousin actually played volleyball for Nebraska um, as a scholarship recruit out of Ewing. And, you know, I thought Alex, um, you know, physically he's got some tools that you can't coach. He's 6'3", Nate, um, 28, interse- 20 t- 28 touchdowns to zero interceptions over a 13-game season. Um, so he did a lot of things. I think the challenge, though, is going to be how many people can he get in front of and throw – um, you know, and how do you garner interest? Because it is—it's a jaunt to get up to O'Neill. I mean, there's no shortcuts getting in to O'Neill. There's no airports around there and whatnot. So um, it, it's kind of going to be interesting to see kind of how what he does to maybe promote himself. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with quarterbacks, you know, especially with the spring evaluation period coming up. Um, you know, teams want to get their quarterback in early, and and before they offer you, they generally want to see you throw. They want to see you work out, and and so I'm. It's going to be difficult to to uh, you know have a, a bunch of coaches making their way out to O'Neill, Nebraska to to, to watch Alex Tramer work out and, and throw. Uh, but you're, you're right; he's got a, a ton of tools to work with. Uh, he's a 4.0 student on top of that. But uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a junior in high school. Uh, attempt 225 passes in a year and have zero interceptions uh, on you know kind of leading their way uh, to a state championship I, I think I mean that's really really impressive to and he's me. a 4.0 student yeah and uh, you know you watch the film and he, he's a great athlete it seems like he's always escaping pressure um, you know and making plays down the field obviously he's an accurate passer so um, you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how how his recruitment unfolds I know he He's, he's reached out to the Vedrals uh, because Noah Vedral, um, you know, from coming from Wahoo is not necessarily uh, a place that, that a ton of coaches typically uh, make a pit stop at. So, uh, and he was able to kind of get his name out there. So I know he's gotten some advice from the Vedrals and, and we'll see what happens. And it costs money. That's a, I mean, yeah. the Vedrals probably, you know, spent tens of thousands of dollars to kind of develop all Easily. the time and on, on the road to get Noah. But Mike always told me, hey, you spend 10, maybe 15,000, you're going to get, uh, you know, a hundred to $200,000 scholarship back in return. And it paid off for them as he's going to be Scott Frost's quarterback recruit 
at Central Florida. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring our intern in, Matt Reynolds, and um, he's getting ready for his first big baseball series this weekend with David Eichold as they're uh, getting ready to take over the reins of baseball coverage this spring. Um, but we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, A. Klaus, and we bring in our intern, Matt Reynolds, and who's getting ready to cover his first baseball series this weekend as him and David Eichel, their interns, are taking over the baseball coverage this season for us here on Husker Online as Nebraska will have a, a series out in Arizona. But uh, busy week here in the mailbag. Lots to talk about, Matt. What do you have? Well, starting off with a little combine talk. Did any Husker players get snubbed not getting an invite to the combine? We know Carter and Gary are the two players that will be there. You know, two I'll go with. I think Kevin Maurice, just because of the nature of the position he plays, I think there's a lot of value to his spot. I, I thought he could have been looked at. But then, obviously, Westercamp. Um, I mean, he was initially invited into the East-West Shrine game. Um, clearly a very productive career at Nebraska. Um, but I think what hurts Westercamp in the NFL talk is when you're talking about a 50-man roster or 50-whatever-it-is, 53, 52, got to play special teams if you're a guy like Westercamp. And you wonder, could he? can he tackle, can he cover kicks and punts and do those types of things at the next level? Because he's never done it, Robin, here at Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, you got to be versatile, especially as kind of a guy that's already kind of on the – the borderline NFL prospect talk. But one guy, I wouldn't necessarily call him a snub, but a guy I really would have liked to see test out is Brandon Riley. Uh, that guy is such a freak athlete, and if you get him out there uh, to, to run and, and do all those things, I think he really would have opened some eyes about how good of a football player he could be. And you want to talk about versatility, he can play special teams. So um, disappointing, but you know they obviously have pro day and a lot of individual workouts to really make their mark. Yeah, really, he gets touched on all the all the guys. Josh Banderas, maybe too. Yeah, yeah Bando um, had a productive career at Nebraska. I feel like Westy, had he not had that injury, maybe maybe he would have got in. Um, you know, I, that probably set him back a little bit. And hopefully, hopefully he's healthy for for the pro day. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what his health status is right now, but uh, really, I don't think you can go wrong. You know, saying any any three or four of those guys got snubbed. All right, taking your questions here. What do you got next, Matt? Let's bring it back to the current team and some former four-star defensive backs. Which contributes most in 2017? Avery Anderson, Eric Lee, or Markel Dismuke, and why? Ooh, I that's a good one. Um, I'll say Avery Anderson, um, but I you get this. People freak out about like redshirt freshmen not playing. I'm like, well, what did you expect Eric Lee to beat out Chris Jones and Joshua Kalu? Because that's what he would have to have done to play. They don't sub a lot of those guys in. So, and then Lamar Jackson, um, you know, kind of jumped him, and, and he was a higher-rated recruit. But you know, I think it remains to be seen as Lamar a corner or a safety. But um, I don't think we could really give you a full answer to that question until spring ball because we just didn't see enough of these guys to really have a handle on what they're all about. Yeah, I think Avery's probably the closest to cracking the rotation, but. Eric Lee, on the other hand, I mean, just from a numbers standpoint, I mean, that's a pretty thin cornerback group that 
uh, you know, one or two guys, you know, has to miss any time for whatever reason. He's a guy that would probably just elevate by default. So uh, I think he's got a pretty good chance as well. Yeah, I think both those Colorado guys um, have a pretty good shot. But really, I mean, it's a complete wild card right now because you're working with two brand new position coaches. And and uh, to be honest with you, maybe maybe that's the factor that allows one of these guys to kind of make a breakthrough and uh, you know that they're starting with a clean slate heading into spring ball and and kind of maybe operating in a, in a slightly different scheme there in the back end of the defense so um, definitely three guys to keep an eye on the spring well with Lee and Anderson knowing each other and playing against each other in high school they obviously had a little bit of influence on each other coming to Nebraska is there are there any package deals like that in the 2018 class you know sometimes you see that with teammates or guys that just play in the same state yeah, there's there are a couple, um, you know, that, that you're going to see there. Obviously, there's been a Calabasas connection. You've got a couple kids uh, uh, out in Calabasas right now that uh, that are have Nebraska offers and then are looking at the Huskers. Um, you also have a connection building at IMG Academy, which which would be huge for Nebraska when you're talking about Bookie Radley Hiles, and who's the top 100 corner in the country, and uh, and TJ Pledger, who's the top 100 running back. I mean, two of the best overall prospects in the entire nation. Uh, they're very close with one another. Uh, both have have gone from California out to Florida to play at IMG Academy. Um, they both played on the same seven on seven team with uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tristan Jebbia, uh, Tyjon Lindsey, and Elijah Blades, who are all going to be at Nebraska now. So there's a lot of connections there, um, and and I think that the the possibility exists that if you get one, you you, you have a great shot at getting another. As we keep going with the mailbag, we switch gears to basketball. Nebraska had a really nice win against Penn State on Tuesday, and so therefore the pendulum of Nebraska <laughs> ball fan reactions swings a little bit. So what's the ceiling for the upcoming Big Ten tournament this year as far as results? Well, I guess a lot of that depends on if they can stay out of that first day, um, you know, the 11 through 14 games or whatever. Uh, that that obviously takes one less hurdle that they have to clear, um, but the Big Ten tournament is going to be fascinating to me because there's no clear established, you know, power teams. I mean, you obviously have your Maryland's and your Purdue's and Wisconsin's, but they've, as we've seen, anybody can beat anybody. And that's not a cliche. I mean, it's usually a cliche, but it's not the case this year. Literally, this is about as even and as much of a toss up of a conference as I've ever seen it. So uh, I'm really looking forward just to seeing some of these matchups and how things play out um, over the, those few days in Washington, D.C., just because it's really impossible to predict. And so, I mean, as far as Nebraska is concerned, I mean, you that they play right along in that. They've proven they can beat the best in this conference, and uh, if they can get hot at the right time and get the matchups that you know that, that work out for them, then I think they have a chance to potentially make a run. All right, still got time for some more questions here as Matt Reynoldson takes um, answered takes your questions here in the mailbag. Looking even further forward in Nebraska basketball, a couple transfer questions. Um, on basketball transfer James Palmer from Miami asking how he's looking in practice and a question about Isaac Copeland about how he's recovering from his back issues and if he has that waiver, waiver request um, and when that might be granted. Okay, we'll start with Copeland. Uh, he is yet to have surgery, probably won't do so until you know after the season. Um, basically, there's really no rush to do it. Um, but uh, what was the second part of the Copeland question? The second part is... Um, 
if how he would how he's recovering, recovering. from that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so the waiver, the, the, the yeah, hardship waiver. waiver. Yeah. yeah, he'll he'll get that probably in the spring after the season. If you look back at other similar cases, that's usually when guys find out towards the end of April or early June. Uh, sometime in that window is when the NCAA has generally made um, decisions on, on those types of cases. But again, Nebraska and Isaac both feel very confident that he will be granted that waiver and have uh, basically this season back um, in terms of his eligibility. And uh, for James Palmer, um, you know, he, he's I've, I've been able to watch him a few times and, uh, you know, he's just one of those long um, athletic, you know, he, he doesn't, he's one of those guys that where it doesn't look like he's playing that hard, but you know, he, all of a sudden you, you see him and he's just kind of gliding his way to the rim for a layup. So he's, he's that type of player. I don't think he's going to help much as far as perimeter shooting, but he's another one of those long, athletic, uh, versatile type of two, three guys that uh, you know can be, be one of those mix-and-match type pieces that Tim Miles likes so much. All right, we got time for one more question here in the Husker Online Mailbag. Well, this is a barbecue question, perhaps better answered by our <laughs> friend Dan Hoppin, but uh, there's been a lot of buzz lately about Oklahoma Joes coming to Lincoln and mm. Um, a lot of people love Fat Jacks here in Lincoln. What What's your favorite barbecue, and how do you think Oklahoma Joe's will do here? I have a soft spot for Gates in Kansas City, um, mainly because it's like the first place my dad ever took me to for barbecue, and we'd go to Chiefs games and, and always get it on the way home. So I love the Gates sauce. I love their beef and a half sandwich. Um, that's my favorite barbecue meal, but burn-ins at Fat Jacks. Uh, I did eat at the newer Kansas City Joe's, and Nate, you, um, there's two of them. Nate's family lives in Kansas City. I went to the one in Overland Park, which is like the brand new, nice one by the mall. But the original one you guys went to last year, right, for the Rivals Camp? Yeah, and it was phenomenal. Uh, I have not been to the new one, but after eating at, at the the original, I, I think that probably became my my favorite Kansas. It's a City. gas station, right? Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, Arthur Bryant's is right there, too, uh, as far as Kansas City barbecue goes. Um, but in, in town, I mean, I, I still have to give the edge to, to Fat Jack's until Oklahoma Joe's or whatever actually arrives. Here's one point that needs to be made. This is not your the exact same franchise, the Oklahoma Joe's. They split apart. It's one of the original founders with his own branch-off restaurant. So this is not the same thing that when you think of Oklahoma Joe's down in Kansas City or Kansas City Joe's, this is a different deal. So – Prepare yourselves. I mean, it's you're not going to get the, the same thing. It's going to be a different recipe and all that stuff. So I know a lot of people were, you know, there was, that was heavily debated on social media. So just to be clear, uh, talking with guys that know is a lot it more. fresh meat? Is it pre cooked? Is it cooked on site? I mean, there's a lot of things that the barbecue aficionados mm-hmm. want to know. Mm-hmm. Well, I've yeah. got to throw in my my throw my hat in the ring and say Jack Stack Barbecue in the Plaza in Kansas City is by far the best oh, that's the, I've ever had. That's the nicer. Yeah, it's like the, the fine dining barbecue. Yeah, the fine I, dining barbecue. <laughs> that's where. Uh, my friend Matt and I ate before the Kansas City camp last year, and it's 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 like higher end. I mean, you, yeah, we had the fillet. They had like their fillet mignon barbecue, mm-hmm. and, and that was on. The, it was for what you pay for that. I didn't think it was worth it. They get you, you. They give you the good cornbread though. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you can convince a date to go eat barbecue with you, that's the place you take. Uh, it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well. Fun mailbag here. We come back. We're going to close with recruiting. Nebraska made some more offers this week. Also, they've set a junior day. We'll get Nate Claus's thoughts on that next here to close the show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Claus as we talk some recruiting, Nate. And uh, the first thing I want to get to is we now know the date of Nebraska's first junior day, um, kind of similar to a year ago. It's going to be March 4th. 
That's the opening Saturday of spring practice. And this is kind of like the the warm-up, the pre-party. You know, you, you don't really – I look at it like this, Nate, when you do these junior days in the spring for Nebraska or even in February, you're only going to usually get a guy to travel, you know, a distance one time. So do you want him here in February at possibly a basketball game? Do you want him here for an opening spring practice in March? Or do you want those guys here on April 14th? And I think – Obviously, you want him here on April 14th. So this is going to be, from all accounts, not a major big event, kind of just a warm-up event to the recruiting season. Yeah, I'm not expecting it to be, you know, a blockbuster recruiting weekend. You know, it's going to be made up of a large majority of in-state kids, you know, players that that can easily drive to Lincoln, um, you know, and and back home in a day's time. And you might get a, a, you know, a handful of guys that that fly in or or whatever, but definitely not expecting it to be – you know, a, a huge weekend by any means, but it's always nice to have players on campus. Um, you know, last year you did have a couple of big time names, uh, especially with guys like Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and Tristan Jebbia, who were and Darnay Holmes were there. Uh, but you also had um, guys like Cameron Babb uh, on campus. You know, that was the first time that that he and, and Dallas Craddyth out of uh, St. Louis had been on Nebraska's campus. So so that was big, and I. Think I think that's what you want to see, you know, this upcoming junior day. You want to see a handful of kids from St. Louis, uh, a couple kids from Kansas City, you know, a Mario Goodrich out of out of Lee Summit West. You know, that's the prime type of kid that you want to get on campus, uh, along with a lot of the in-state players um, that uh, that are kind of on your radar already. Um, and then it's kind of a dry run for you know for the spring game, and you know, kind of when you look at all the logistics that, that go into it, and and uh, you know, getting meetings and sp- you know speakers set up for for the various different things that they do. So, um, but I would like to see maybe another junior day uh you know mixed in there just to make it so that these kids who have busy schedules in the spring have a couple different options uh to get on campus obviously the, well you just invite them to saturday practice i mean does it have to be a full-fledged junior day or i mean or can you just have guys show up to practice and bring them in and give them special individual attention yeah and it could definitely be that i mean it can be whatever you want it to be but um you know there's going to be a ton of different spring games all on the same weekend the april 14th weekend is going to be you know a monster you know weekend for spring games i know ohio state uh, missouri i think maybe iowa um, you know, is going to be on that weekend. So you, you've got a lot of competition just right here in the 500-mile radius alone uh, that uh, they're going to be drawing kids there. So uh, to me, I, I think you want to try and um, create an, an environment or create a, uh, a schedule that, that kind of is flexible with a lot of different recruits so they can get out and see different places. Yeah, and we still don't know the summer schedule at this point as far as camps. It's assumed that they will have what three Friday night light camps, um, maybe in some big red weekends, uh, mixed into, uh, those events. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunities. In fact, actually, Nate, the, uh, the camp schedule is now released on Huskers.com oh. here. Uh, they will have what appears to be two Friday night lights camps, um, on June 16th and June 23rd. Um, there's going to be youth camps on the schedule. Uh, those do not count as your 10 days. No. And then on the exact same day, on Tuesday, June 13th, there will be a big man's camp and a skill positions camp. So um, they're going to use what appears to be three of their 
um, days for those camps in Lincoln. They'll still have seven available days to work camps off campus. So um, a little surprised they're not doing three, but maybe they looked at what the numbers were and, and thought maybe three was not necessary for Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I, that's what I think. Um, when you look back at last year's, you know, one of those Friday Night Lights uh, camps was was a little bit more watered down than the others. Uh, I think the obviously that last one that Nebraska had, you you saw the that was the large majority of your big time prospects all came to that one, and um, I just feel like. You know, in a state like Nebraska, where your population is fairly low, um, you know, you, you can if you have too many, you're going to have a, you know some watered down events. So I like the fact that they're still keeping the big man's camp. I know that they'd like to kind of grow that into somewhat of a, a destination camp for linemen across the country to hit up. Um, and of course, the skill position camp is uh, is is nice to have as well. But those those two Friday night light camps are going to be huge. Yeah, and then obviously the seven other dates, you have to think that these quote-unquote super camps are going to be where Nebraska is going to be. Um, the, the rule that's being proposed is you can work a camp um, as a conference. Um, you could have all of the conferences in one location. It's already been said that the Big Ten is probably not going to have it. Um, I think it is really hard, Nate, to get on the same page as a league everybody to agree kind of on a neutral Switzerland to host the camp and because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of politics. I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, and these teams want one thing. They're going to try to decide it. So um, that probably won't happen. And I was talking to somebody in the business, and he said he wouldn't be surprised at all if they shut those camps down to the media, where if it was a conference-wide camp, the media wouldn't even be allowed in those events. Um, but, you know, there's a lot that we don't know on how this new camp world's going to operate. Yeah, it's all kind of uncharted territory. I, I, I agree with you, though. I, I, I don't foresee the Big Ten, you know, all the head coaches in the Big Ten kind of coming together and, and cooperating on this deal. Um, there's a lot of egos involved. You've got uh, Harbaugh, who's kind of the the ringleader of, of you know, creating a circus with anything that he does so you know obviously he's going to have his own agenda um you know an urban meyer uh in harbaugh working at the same camp would be would be kind of surprising to me so um but yeah it's i mean it you, we don't really know what to expect. It's, it's going to be. I think you're going to have to be creative, though, in how you maximize those seven days out on the road. Um, and and you can only have full time assistance now instead of you know last year there were some satellite camps where Nebraska had you know player personnel guys and graduate assistants and interns and analysts or whatever you know. Whatever. Well, I mean, they traveled about 15 deep. Uh, mm-hmm. Billy Devaney and and the staff yep. behind the scenes, Gunderson and McShane and Andy Vaughn and DVD. I mean, all those guys came along with the 10 full-time coaches. So, yeah, it's they had a deep traveling. I mean, Nebraska's compliance even traveled out to these camps before. That's right. Um, you know, like the, the St. Louis satellite camp last year, no full-time coaches there, but every single support staff guy, whether it was in the recruiting department or football-wise, was at that camp uh, working it. So, um, yeah, it's going to be kind of fascinating to see exactly how Nebraska um, operates this. And I know that that's, you know, they've been having a lot of meetings right now, and that's what you have to get ironed out. You have to get your camp schedule ironed out, get a plan of attack set there, 
there. You have to um, iron out, you know, junior days and and what your uh, you know how you're going to kind of operate your your spring game and and what your plan of attack is going to be to to get those guys on campus and along with other needs. And I think that's another reason why we've seen some new offers go out. Yeah, the real interesting thing: can you work at a Division two campus? Like I know it has to be a campus, but is that only FBS and FCS? Does that trickle down to D2, even D3? Because that's all part of the NCAA's jurisdiction. Because if you can get into the D2 and D3, you could really have some gray areas um, with camp locations and, and places you want to go because you're somewhat limited, like in Missouri. I mean, but Lindenwood is a Division II school. So technically, Lindenwood and St. Louis could host a huge super camp there as a member of the NCAA. Um, so there, there are interesting rules that we don't know the answers to um, that I'm sure even Nebraska's trying to figure out answers to. Yeah, I think there's a lot of gray area, but um, that Lindenwood camp last summer was outstanding. You had almost 600 kids from the St. Louis area at that camp. You had over 30 different schools represented uh, there, and um, you know Iowa State and Iowa and Illinois and Nebraska were were you know heavily represented as far as um, you know coaches and and personnel people uh, attending that camp and and working those kids out so uh, it's my understanding that as long as the school is a member of the NCAA that you can have those camps but again I I think there's a lot of gray area um, and it's probably one of those years where you're going to have to try and and maximize or find a loophole and maximize what you can because it's probably going to change again here in the next year. All right, well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Plenty on tap, though, this weekend. Husker basketball, Husker baseball open up. uh, So make sure you're logged on as we'll have complete coverage of all the events happening here in Lincoln. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 